Welcome to A Sex Worker's Guide to the Galaxy, where the answer to life, the universe, and everything is sex workers. I'm your host, Parker Westwood. Today, I'm coming at you with a more niche podcast this week. Um, We're talking to Chris Ballbelly about the world of belly bloat fetish videos. This is admittedly something I knew nothing about. It's very similar to any other content creation. Um, However, there are some stark differences. And it was just a very interesting uh, thing to learn about. So I hope you enjoy this episode. We end up talking about, of course, the belly bloat fetish, some safety tips, and just like things to be concerned with around your body when being involved in this particular kind of fetish content. Um, And then we also get to talk about sex work and autism and just kind of navigating the world as an autistic person who also happens to be a sex worker. So yeah, I hope you enjoy the episode. I do um, want to put a trigger warning because we do we do talk about binging activity, um, not necessarily as an eating disorder, but as someone who has struggled with an eating disorder in the past. I just feel like this is a... It could be triggering to people. So I thought I would just throw that trigger warning out into the mix. Uh, Take that for what you will. Take care of yourself. Be compassionate with yourself. Yeah, I really care about your well-being. So throwing that out there. Um, We're just going to get a little bit of podcast housekeeping out of the way. Um, You can support this podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash sexygalaxypod. You can also support the podcast by rating it five stars and leaving a glowing review. I do read all the reviews, and I really love seeing what people have said. Y'all said some nice things, so keep that rolling in. I love it. Um, And good reviews do help get this podcast into more people's ears, so that's great. Um, You can also follow us on Twitter, at SexyGalaxyPod, or follow me on Instagram, at parker.westwood. Um, I believe that's all the things. Oh, oh, if you do, <laughs> this is where my brain has been at. Um, if you do follow us on Patreon, 50% of those proceeds goes towards the work of a network of sex workers to excite revolution or answer Detroit. Um, yeah, badass group of incredible sex workers doing some stuff and going to be doing even more stuff. I don't want to give too much away. I will have more to promote here about what they're up to and, and the work that you can support. Um, do, 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 do. Oh, this podcast is sponsored by Companion Tax. If you are in the sex industry and you need your taxes done because it sucks doing taxes, um, if you can pay someone to do it, I highly suggest paying Companion Tax to do it. They've been great to work with. So check them out at CompanionTax.com and uh, have someone else do your taxes. It's magical. Okay, I I think that's all the things. Um, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are. Um, I don't know about all of you, but, uh, the, 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 like, whiffs of spring that we've gotten, these, like, warmer days, and I don't, you know, I don't know where all y'all are. Some of you are in Australia, which means you're having very different weather than what I'm having, but, um, here in the Midwest of the United States, um, we've been getting these little whiffs of spring, which, despite the state of the rest of the world, has given me just a little bit of hope. Um, it could also be the antidepressants working, but I need both, both and, you know? So, <laughs> um, I'm just really grateful for that today, because I just needed, I needed a little bit of hope that, uh, that the world will become alive again. Um, Yes. So, without further ado, we're going to jump into this interview with Chris Ballbelly. All right, everyone. I am here with uh, Chris Ballbelly. Thanks for being here, Chris. Lovely to be here. Happy to be on. 
Absolutely. So happy to have you here. So would you mind, I normally have guests introduce themselves with their name, their pronouns, their location, if you care to share and um, what kind of sex work you do. All right. So uh, name is Chris. I go under the name uh, Chris Ballbelly in my professional work. I am a model belly bloater on Pornhub and trying to get on OnlyFans if they, they'll work with the pictures I'm trying to send them. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> I am based in Huntsville, Alabama, the Rocket City. And I'm more specifically in more of the belly bloat fetish. Um, that's kind of the primary thing that I do in sex work and kind of what I've always done in my time in the field. And it's um, online content only, or do you do some in-person work as well? No, it is entirely online. Cool. And how, how did you get started in sex work, or how did you find your niche here? Well, it's, it's kind of funny. It's, it's a little more humble and benign than what I think most people would find themselves getting into sex work, because I saw people do it on YouTube way back in the day. I'm like talking 2008, 2009. When I just by chance decided to look up, I don't remember specifically why I looked up specifically. It's been obviously it's been quite some time. Right. Um, but I searched up along the lines of belly bloat, or yeah, I think it's just like belly bloat something. Mm -hmm. I saw the videos and I saw what people were doing and I wanted to do it myself. So when I moved to London uh, in 2010, I got a laptop for Christmas that year because I actually arrived on uh, in, at Heathrow Airport Christmas Day 2010, which is funny. Um, and I used the camera on that to record myself drinking a two liter bottle of Coca-Cola. Um, <laughs> now keep in mind, I was pretty young at this point. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was 14 when I uploaded my first video to YouTube. And I oh, did wow. this in a pretty loose fitting pair of boxer briefs. Yeah. And that's, I kind of would consider that to my start doing it. At the time, I really didn't consider myself to be kind of a sex worker. It was kind of more like a thing that I wanted to do. Never thought that would turn into what I'm doing today, to be honest. Was it sexual when you were like 14 and you like did the two liter bottle? Was it like a sexual thing or was it just something you were like, oh, I could do that? Like, yeah, definitely. Like I had, I had a bit of a sexual attraction to the whole thing. Um, for the first four or five years, I would frequently get very aroused while doing the video. So, and I would be wearing sorts of, uh, all sorts of kinds of underwear, thongs, everything, the kind of stuff yeah. while doing the videos. Um, so it was always been kind of a sexual thing to me. In fact, um, back, back in when I lived in Utah, cause I'm, I'm originally Utah native. I moved all over the place. Wow, <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. yeah, I'm a well-traveled man. Um, <laughs> in the couch that we had in the living room in this house um, had a bunch of catalogs in it. And it was open to me, like it was, it was catalogs of clothing. I would kind of open up the catalog and then point at per certain parts of the bodies of the models in the, in the photos. Mm -hmm. um, so I've always had a bit of a kind of a sexual attraction to this kind of thing. It's never been kind of something that, oh, here's something I like to do, let's just do it. it there's, there's, there's a de definite meaning behind it. Yeah. I, I was thinking that because of the like 14 year years old was like when I started to acknowledge and play with my, my fetishes and things. So I was like, Oh, that's like right around that, that age range where it kicks in. Are, is it mostly men doing belly bloat videos or is this like, what are the, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, it's there. I can, I can feel it on the tip of my tongue. What are the, like, uh, yeah. What's the breakdown? I can't think of the word, but like men, women, like, what does it look like as far as the belly bloat community goes? Well, because belly bloating is a fetish and kind of an erotic kind of thing, it, it, it focuses on a pretty mm -hmm. large portion of the body, regardless of belly or uh, physical uh, physique or body type it can mean different things. Both men and women do it. In fact, some of the first videos I found on YouTube of the thing were of women. I really didn't get into uh, watching men do it until maybe a couple months after I discovered the whole thing. Um, like personally for me, like I'm, I'm a kind of a tall, skinny guy and people over the years uh, mm -hmm. grew to like that about me. But the women that I saw do it um, were kind of the same thing. Like they, like they did much of the same thing that the men did, um, just kind of, instead of a, of a dude doing it, it's, it's, a, it's a female. Um, I personally found that uh, a full belly for a man is um, more rigid in terms of shape 
and then they, then the female i think females get more of a <laughs> can't believe i'm using this word more of a curve like it like it like you, you go down beneath the breast and then all of a sudden right. it kind of curves around and it goes down towards the nether regions <laughs> uh but for men it's it's more more from what i've seen it's more of a more of a sudden kind of change now i'm not like that uh for me, when I when I get a full stomach, my my stomach has this much the same that, w- that I've seen women's bellies do is that it, it t- starts flat with my flat chest and then kind of goes a, like a curve around. Yeah, like um, an arch rather than like a sudden angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my personal, I wouldn't call them mentors, but kind of like pe- one of the people that I looked up to for so many years is full with water. Uh, he was he's famous for his war story videos. And if you're not hit with war story, I've actually done a few of them myself. Uh, it's basically there are short erotic short stories um, in video form where the person the person uh, fake eats a stuffed animal or toy or in his case yeah. gummy bears um, that's the whole thing about vor is eating stuff that you normally wouldn't eat which is to me is incredibly erotic for me um, his, he's famous for those his belly kind of he's got a kind of a flat kind of a muscular chest his belly mm-hmm. just like boom, just like just just had just this dive deep dive curve and it's just flat all the way down yeah so yeah like it just kind of depends on like your body type and kind of what gender you are because it, it can differ quite a bit and i think that's probably the reason why mostly men tend to get into it because it tends to be it tends to look a little bit more i wouldn't call it masculine but to me it kind of looks more like masculine <laughs> yeah no i could see that i could definitely see that that's so fascinating I'm curious because I'm, I know nothing about this particular fetish community. Um, so would you walk us through like a day in the life of like when you're participating in this like form of sex work and filming content? Like, what is that? What does that look like? What do you have to do to prepare? Honestly, it's, it's, it's just as easy as going to an all you can eat buffet and gorging yourself. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's literally just like, for me, like for, I've recently expanded my my reach onto Instagram and it's kind of an easy way for me to get myself out there mm-hmm. doing, I mean, I don't like Instagram won't let me be naked on the platform. That's kind of a kind of unfortunately, that's why that's why I have uh, Twitter for because Twitter is all for it for some reason. Right. Um, yeah. But I would kind of go to uh, here in Huntsville, there's an Asian buffet. It's an all you can eat. I could just go there, spend uh, 20 bucks in total and then have an, a painfully full stomach by the end. Wow. Um, but there's 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 more to, to uh, valuable than kind of that. There's I would consider valuable to be kind of categorized into a few categories. There's bloats, stuffings, enemas, and inflations. Um, you probably heard of enema before. It's kind of a more of a common term in sex work than the other ones are. But a bloat is kind of like what I would consider a belly bloat, where you use liquid to fill up your stomach. Stu- stuffing is much of the same, but with food. Enemas is when you stick a hose up your ass and fill it with water. And inflation is much of the same, but with air. Um, so if I want to do, uh, say like a Coke and Mentos bloat, the famous Coke and Mentos reaction um, that was made famous by a parody on ER. You probably, if you've right. seen that video, it is absolutely hilarious. I love it. Um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a video, it was a parody of an episode on, on ER about urban legends and Pop Rocks and Mentos was one of the topics in that video. Right, that's right. Um, but the Coke and Mentos, it's it's different for me because I've been doing these kind this kind of a Coke and Mentos bloat for so long. I kind of gotten a method a methodology on how to do it. The problem is with Coke and Mentos is that once the Mentos become in contact with your saliva, the nucleation sites, the thing that allows bubbles to form once it hits the Coke, start to wear away. Oh. And once they're in your stomach, it's an even worse situation. So what I would do as I would crack open a stick of Mentos. Uh, mint or fruity flavor, both of them work. They both have the negation sites on it. Count about 10, 15 of them at the most, swallow them all whole, and then oh go for the Coca-Cola, drink as much of that as I can. And if you do it right, you should hear the members foam up in your stomach and feel the Coke start to bubble up inside of you. And I can tell you that is probably some of the most best feeling you're ever going to get out of any fetish, I guarantee you. Wow. It is so awesome. Um, but there's also, you can also do uh, Alka-Seltzer Blows. That's actually kind of a fun one. Um, although for me, I t- the gas tends to enter my lower lower digestive tract faster than with the Coke and Mentos. 
Um, all you really just got to do is kind of swallow a Alka-Seltzer tablet whole and drink some water and then <laughs> pops oh, right There you go. It's, it's once it's in your stomach, it's going to bubble up and release all the bubbly goodness that you would normally get in a glass of water with the stuff. Yeah. Um, but for me, it just kind of depends on what I want to do. Um, since I moved into this new house, um, I've been having more freedom on where I can do these kind of things. And I actually uploaded a video to Pornhub not too long ago where I was just standing in my kitchen. Um, what was I wearing? I actually have it pulled up on Chrome right now. What was I wearing? I was, uh, ah, I was wearing one of my uh, favorite uh, thongs. I think it was actually the male power one. Oh, that's a good look one. <laughs> Oh, um, I was just staying in the kitchen wearing that thong and just eating a eating an entire pizza. I think I may have, wasn't able to finish it, but I was I, I looked very nice in it. <laughs> of course, so good. As as you were talking about like the things you have to think about to get the Coke and Mentos reaction to happen in your stomach rather than like outside, I was just like, oh, this is fascinating because I'm a little <laughs> bit of a nerd that way. Um, it's so cool the things you have to think about. And I can, I guess what I imagine is that that can, there can be some dangers there when you're talking about things expanding in your stomach. Like, are are there things you have to be careful of, like to not hurt yourself? Absolutely. Now, now I should probably preface everything I'm about to say by saying this is not a fetish you want to die for. <laughs> it, 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 it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And it can be incredibly erotic when you get it right. But yeah. there is a reason why your body tells you things. Like your, when your stomach is too full, you feel sick. When you drink too much water, you feel dizzy. Yes. You know, you get, hypo, you get hypernatremia, you get hypo, um, I'm trying to figure back to those chubby emo videos on YouTube, what he calls them. There's, there's too many medical terms in this. Um, but there are, <laughs> there are signs that, that your body will tell you that you've overdid it. Um, and it honestly depends on, your, on how big you are. Like I'm a tall guy. I can... I can eat plenty more calories than, of my own weight than most people can. Right. Um, but going back to the Coca Mentos, uh, you probably remember the Mythbusters actually did a bit of a short uh, test on this using a pig stomach because for oh. some somehow pig stomachs are the perfect facsimile for a human stomach. Yes. Yes. I don't, and I, don't, I love Mythbusters like so so hard. <laughs> you can still watch. Uh, I think you can still find this particular test on YouTube videos if you find it. I'll I mean, I'll link it in the show notes so people can check it out. Yeah, it's, it's cool, and they've ultimately found that if you consume pop rocks and coke, you're not going to explode. Good to know. <laughs> the problem with that test is that they used a dead pig stomach, and the thing about the human stomach is that it's it's a muscle, but it's also a folded muscle. Yeah, and, and it's very much alive. <laughs> yeah, so a pig stomach is not going to unfurl itself dead as it would as a as an alive as a living human stomach. Yeah. So you, there is a possibility that you can hurt yourself if you overdo it. Um, now, just got, it's really just a matter of li listening to your body what it's telling you. Like if you feel sick, like doesn't necessarily mean you have to stop. It's just kind of a sign, like, hey, uh, take it careful from here. We're we're starting to get to our capacity here. Um, with that being said, you, this is just like with any other muscle in your body, the stomach can be trained to hold more food. This is actually, there's actually kind of a, of a method that professional eaters tend to use to increase their own capacity so that when they go to like a hot dog eating contest, they're able to kill the competition and they right. focus, they focus on your body's salience. And what that is, is that an empty stomach is not going to have a whole lot of acid in it. It's not going to have a whole lot of enzymes. It's not going to have a whole lot of, you know, stomach juices within it. That doesn't have, it doesn't start excreting those things until you eat something, but oh. there, there is a delay. There is a buffer period before that starts. So what people, what these professional leaders are going to do is that they're going to try to eat foods that are low in fats, uh, uh, acidic foods or foods high in sugar to train themselves and try to consume as much of it as possible before salience kicks in. Because once salience kicks in and your stomach starts producing all of these uh, acids and enzymes that starts that begins the process of digesting. It's already to the point where the where the brain is aware of how full the stomach is, and it starts to give you those signals that says, "Hey, we're starting to get full here. Slow down." Oh, so you're not only you're trying to listen to your body, but you're also trying to like trick your brain to push, be able to push yourself to a limit. Yeah, because like when when you stretch your stomach beyond its limits, when it comes back stronger once it retracts. Right. just like any other muscle in the body. 
Interesting. Yeah. Not a whole lot of people know about this because it's not something that they would normally think of, but it, it, it works. I've over the ice. When I first started doing this whole thing, I could barely finish a liter of fizzy water, <laughs> but after doing yeah. it for, for doing it for so long, like I've, I've, I've been able to eat 2000 calories in one sitting. Like there's a pizza hut just down the street from me. Um, I'm a regular customer there. They know exactly what I want every single time. There are times I'm just mindlessly eating the damn thing. And I, like, it's like, like a large tastemaker. I'm done with about three quarters of it, maybe in like 10, 15 minutes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just mindlessly eat it. Now, should you mindlessly go out and mindlessly eat much of food? Well, it's more complicated than that. It's just for me, like I'm ADHD is like, uh, I'm going to watch TV and I forget that I'm eating the food. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes pass and half of it's in my stomach. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the moral story is just listen to your body. Your body's going to know better than you will. You may think psychologically that you're fine, but you don't know what your, what your stomach's going to know. There's a reason there are receptors. Right. And, and just like, just like any other skill sport, like muscle group that you might want to train, you have to train your stomach to be able to handle that. That. And once the more your stomach is able to contain more food and stretch further, the further along, the further more food it will take beyond that to trigger a nauseating effect. Wow. Because basically those receptors aren't going to, aren't going to start activating until you stretch it out to, to a certain point. Right. Wow. That's so fascinating. I knew the stomach was very flexible muscle. Like it, it stretches and, and is all of that, but I, I never thought about like training it. Um, and what's really funny is that this is not the first time that like professional food eating has come up this week in my life for whatever reason. So <laughs> that's just fast. That's just interesting to me. Um, so you've been doing, you've been doing content like this for over 10 years, correct? Yeah. I spent, uploaded my first video in January, 2011. Wow. I was just uh, in London for maybe about a month or two after, uh, before I uploaded this. That's amazing. Um, what would you, I guess I'm curious, like, what would you want your younger self just starting out in this or like someone just starting out in this to know now that you've been in it for 10 years? Um, honestly, know your limits. Uh, you're, you're not going to be able to consume an entire large pizza all at once in the space of 15 minutes right on your first try. It, yeah. it takes time. Again, train those muscles. Someone is a muscle. You got to train it. It in like no, like literally Muhammad Ali did not become the world's greatest boxer just on his first day. So your stomach is not going to be the world's greatest food holder on your first day. It's like know your limits, but know that the limits are not finite. Right. Absolutely. I was just curious. How do you think most of your viewers are men or women or do you know? Well, thankfully, YouTube has metrics for this. Yo, we love <laughs> metrics. Yeah, so if you, on the YouTube analytics, it actually tells you the proportion of male to female viewers in your audience, depending if they have that verified. Do they and have a non-binary option? Just curious. They do not, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> we'll you, yeah YouTube is not going to probably not gonna do that anytime soon, unfortunately. That's kind of one of the reasons why I left it. Mm. Um, but over the course, I've, I, I looked at my first video in 2011, and I left YouTube in 2020, I think. Okay. I think that was the last time, I think I put my first video in 2020. Throughout that entire time span, I think maybe 90% of the viewers on that channel were just men alone. Not only just men, but men aged 40 and above. Interesting. Yeah. So clearly there is kind of a generational divide as to who, who enjoys kind of the content that I do. But that's on their own. That's their prerogative. They, I, I'm not going to knock them for for liking what they like. It's like if they if they want to see a boy um, blow to stomach in a pair of underwear, then that's that, that's what they want to do. I'm not going to knock them for that. In fact, I welcome it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were you were creating that content, so of course. <laughs> I'm putting it out in the public, so I don't really get to control who watches it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Wild. Um, okay. But I was just, I was just so curious, like what the viewership looks like for, for these videos. My, my 
suspicion was that it was like more men, but I wasn't, I didn't want to make assumptions. This, this um, is definitely a male dominated kind of field. Um, the vast majority of, not necessarily professional belly bloaters, especially, I've actually, especially on, on uh, Pornhub, but uh, the vast majority of the people that I've seen uh, are men. Oh, the, and, there are belly bloaters? Yeah, uh, yeah, they, like they're, 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 they go across the spectrum, both men and women. Uh, yeah. Little Miss Belly is probably one of the most notable examples. She is, uh, she can consume quite a hefty amount of food. I can tell you one thing. Wow, <laughs> Little and Miss she, Belly. And she's one of the oldest players in this field. I don't think she does anything anymore, um, but if you look around, you may be able to find some of her old videos, especially oh. on YouTube, because they might still be up. Um, okay, I'm gonna pivot the conversation a little bit here. Um, Before it. When we were talking, uh, we had a phone call listeners i'll admit we had a phone call to talk about this episode beforehand um you shared with me that you are on the autism spectrum indeed i am and i was curious like how if sex work has been a better fit for you like not, uh, being autistic um and if you don't mind sharing like when you found out you were autistic and like just kind of sharing a little of of that well a very defining characteristic of uh, Asperger syndrome for me specifically is very narrow, um, very narrow interests. Um, and the Wikipedia article on Asperger syndrome actually describes this kind of dichotomy quite well, um, yeah. where they have a picture of a boy stacking cans. And to a normal person, that may seem rather weird. Um, yeah. what, what's the point of just randomly stacking cans? But you got to remember this boy is autistic. Right. This is an interest to him. You know, he, he likes to stack cans, so he's going to do it. Yeah. For me, uh, going back to uh, when I described that, that house in Utah, those, those, um, those uh, photos of, those, of the models in underwear and whatnot in those catalogs was a particular interest to me because I would, I would you know, get done eating at the table. I would go pull out a catalog and start pointing out their bellies in the, in the, the oh. uh, catalogs. And I, I think that's probably, that's, that, that, that aspect of special interests is probably what contributed towards my general interest in belly bloating as a whole. Maybe not, not necessarily yeah. as my um, entry into sex work entirety is the, is the source of it. It's, it's definitely more psychological and biological, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. That. Um, but it definitely did have a, an effect on me because once I moved over to Colorado, which is actually the second place I lived, I would, when I was lived there, I actually had this, uh, set of PJs uh, that were based on Spider-Man. And they were, they were a little more tighter fitting than most PJs kids my age would have at the time. Mm -hmm. And what I would do is I would grab a bottle of fizzy water because we, as this was still a time when my parents uh, stocked that stuff because it was cheaper than soda altogether. Um, I would take it with the door open, mind you, go to my room and start drinking it while also running my uh, finger down my stomach to see how, how full it was. Um, wow. Once I realized this is something I need to be doing privately, I moved to doing it in my closet. Mm. Um, and now this, this whole thing was starting to happen once I got my, excuse me, good Lord. Um, once I, uh, <laughs> I'm, drinking, I'm drinking a hand of Mountain Lightning right now because I needed the caffeine. <laughs> yes, caffeine helps with interviews. <laughs> Well, that might may have addiction to it. No, don't, don't tell anyone. Uh, well, same. I I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would go into my closet, uh, strip down completely naked, and put a blanket over my belly and start drinking Coca Cola or Sprite or whatever we had on hand. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of what solidified uh, my love for it. And it was also the same time when all of this was happening, uh, that I was starting to get uh, treatment for uh, my Asperger's. Now, the thing, the thing about Asperger's is that it's a common co-diagnosis with ADHD. It's not, it's not too uncommon for someone to get them both at the same time or some time, uh, short time apart. Oh. So, and what pe doctors will typically do is prescribe you stimulant medication, um, usually in the forms of either methylphenidate, uh, also known as Ritalin, or mm -hmm. amphetamine. Uh, you can find like Adderall and Vyvanse and those kind of things. Yeah. Um, I started on methylphenidate. Um, I actually used a ton of different varieties of it. We, we just kept trying different things and that seemed to be working. 
Uh, a stimulant is going to work in a stimulant, depending on what it is, Ritalin and meth amphetamine work in two different ways. I'm not going to get into too many details because right. <laughs> there's a lot of, comp there's a lot of complex of neurochemistry going on, going on behind it. But basically we found that methylphenidate did not work as well as Adderall did. But the thing about Adderall that methylphenidate does not seem to have is an increase is libido. Oh, so, you, so vi motor pills like Viagra or, um, Sex, sex drive increasing drugs you can find at the local pharmacy store do the same thing, but Adderall does it too. So while I was taking these drugs, specifically um, basic Adderall, uh, I was having this, I was having more of a sex drive way before um, I was supposed to. Right, okay. But because of my autism, it, it, it didn't, it didn't kind of click to me that this is something that was supposed to be looked, looked down upon. And honestly, I didn't really care. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is something that I liked, so I was going to do it because it's a special interest. And when it comes yeah. to special interests, autistic people are kind of hard to turn away from. Yeah, because we we have we have so much drive to do it, um, so it's kind of hard to stop us. Yeah, when because how how old were you? Like seven? Am I guess getting seven, eight? When? Ooh. I think I was about nine years old once I started okay. stimulant medication. I got okay. a decently late diagnosis. I think I was diagnosed at eight, uh, didn't really start medication until maybe about 10 months after. Yeah. And that's, I feel like, especially with like developing a fetish at that age, it's like, you're not really told they're not necessarily told the stigma right away like you don't no one's preparing you for like the birds and the bees conversation at age nine necessarily oh no um i also had a uh, like a sex conversation with my mother early because i my sex drive kicked in super early as well and um ended up needing needing to have that conversation a little sooner um but yeah like you don't have that same sort of registering that it's like the stigma or that it shouldn't be done in the living room or whatever. Um, so it's interesting that you bring that up as well. Um, this, is, this is also a time in any kid's life where the actions you do now could have the same repercussions later. Mm. So because I was doing this from a, such a young age, it kind of kind of solidified the behaviors that would come later in life. Right. E even though it was about four or five years later, it was still kind of like, okay, I did this younger. I'm kind of, I'm kind of stuck with it now because yeah. he, he really can't, he really can't like stave away these kind of thoughts once you're in that kind of position. That's true. And I mean, like, um, oftentimes someone's fetish is grounded in something in their childhood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like it's, it's has its roots in your childhood and, and oftentimes you grow up and you're just like, why am I into this thing? Like, why do I like having a plastic bag over my head? I don't know, but that's, that's the thing I like. So it's really, um, and usually you can track it back to something in your childhood, but not always, but yeah, that's, that is so fascinating. I know you were talking, you wanted to talk a little bit about like being neurodivergent in the sex industry and like accessibility. Um, so do you want to speak to, to that, like the accessibility of within sex work? for neurodivergent folks? Well, I, the best thing I can recommend is, um, again, know your limits. <laughs> That's kind of what it all comes back to. Um, different, because there's a reason why it's called the autism spectrum. You, you could be at one end of PDD NOS where you're not really on the spectrum, but you do kind of exhibit some of the symptoms of autism. Or you could be at the other end where it's classic autism, where you may, may not be able to speak or under, understand basic basic anything really you, you, may, you may be the kind of person who gets really frustrated real easy and may be prone to outbursts that can harm other people mm -hmm. that's kind of the, that's kind of part and parcel when it comes to autism it's just something that we have to deal with and not not something that society is not really too really readily able to accept another thing is that people with autism tend to have more sensitive uh, senses um, and it's different for different people for me i've been more sensitive to uh loud noises um when i was when i was a kid i would I would uh, be notified ahead of time of fire drills, which was against state policy, but because I was so sensitive to the loud noise that the fire alarms make, I would have to be brought away to a different location while it was going on. Wow, yeah. Because of the IED program in New Jersey at the time, which is the third place I lived, 
certainly not the last. <laughs> um, it, 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 I was able to get that approved by the State Board of Education. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't like the, the Roxbury uh, Township Board of Education, the state made that decision. Yeah. Because it is, def it is uh, definitely against uh, state policy for that. Um, but some people with autism may be sensitive to smells. They might be sensitive to light. They might be sensitive to touch, which is something particularly problematic in sex work because you, you may be doing that kind of thing where touching is part of the, part of the job. It's kind of in the job description. Yeah. Some people may be sensitive to that. And honestly, it's kind of not necessarily a matter of, of, uh, of working through it. It's finding coping. Like for me, I would, uh, that the way I would cope with fire drills is I would be brought off site to another building, mm -hmm. which for some reason would still get me when those fire alarms would go off. Oh, wow. Yeah, like at the building, uh, Lincoln Roosevelt Elementary, um, there's a building completely related to the school across the street. It's kind of an office. I'd be right there. When the fire alarms go off, they still get me. <laughs> like I'll be, I would be scared when they go off and I was a solid hundred feet from the school. Um, so being, so when you're being neurodivergent on the, in sex work, just know where your limits are and be, make sure you have your sense of consenting before anything happens. Make sure you let people know like, Hey, you know, I might be sensitive to this. Um, and make sure that they are understanding that if you touch them in a certain way, they may, they may feel extremely uncomfortable and agitated to the point where they, they could, could, could very realistically have an outburst. Mm -hmm. Again, it is, it is kind of part and parcel. Um, it's just, it's just like for me, like I don't have a whole lot of uh, sensitivity to touch. I might have a kind of a relatively low pain tolerance um, because, like, if I get if I get a cut on my finger from a paper cut, I tend to wallow in pain for a couple minutes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So that, that's, that's kind of a thing for me, but most of the people, it just kind of depends on where you land on the spectrum. Honestly, yeah. for sex work, I would find between Asperger's and PDD-NOS is kind of the, the place you kind of want to land for kind of the best of both worlds. Because you may, you may have that kind of that, that little trait of Asperger's that may be maybe intelligence trait, but you may not have the sensitivity that it may come with. Yeah, well, I mean, you cer certainly seem to have found a, a niche that works for you. Um which is really great. And I love, I love seeing that. Um, oh, I was going to ask, do you, does your family know that you do belly bloat content or is that something that's like, absolutely not no one in your family knows? That is a tricky question to question to answer, believe it or not. Um, a few years ago, um, we were still living in New Jersey. Uh, they apparently came into the knowledge from a family member that well, what I was doing. This was still on, on YouTube at the time. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was no surprise that they ended up finding it eventually. It was kind of only a matter of time where one of my uncles um, managed to find a video of me doing it on, the, uh, on YouTube and reported it to my father. Mm. The funny thing is after they told me to stop, they kind of forgot about it. Yeah. They kind of forgot about it and never bothered me about it again until I'm, and I still haven't bothered me about it to this day, even though I'm on Pornhub now, which is, makes it highly unlikely that they'll ever find it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think my father or mother or sister, or even one of my uncles uh, are going to have any half of mine to go on Pornhub anytime soon. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like they just, you know, approached you about it once and then they were like, and we will never speak of this again. I guess that's the only explanation I have. Like they just, they just don't want to talk. Maybe they do know. I don't know. They yeah, just probably just don't want to talk about it. They don't want to know. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, ah, uh, we'll just let this slide. I guess he, he's fine with it. It'll be fine. Ah. <laughs> yeah. I find that that's a, a lot of people's thing. They'll like up, approach it once and then just be like, and if you continue to do it, I just don't want to know about it. Pretty much. Oh, that's so wild. Do, and do you have a good community of like friends or um, fellow belly bloat fetishists that like are supportive? Yes, actually. Uh, during my time on YouTube, I actually garnered quite a quite a vibrant community of people rallying around uh, this whole thing. Uh, it, there really wasn't any toxicity in the community. Uh, people really genuinely loved the work that I had been doing. And I actually keep up with with actually quite a few uh, quite a few of them to this day. Some of them are on Messenger. Another couple are on uh, Discord. One of them ended up becoming my boyfriend. 
Cool. And uh, we're we're trying to we're trying to get a, a plan going for going to Camp Crucible in De- Aberdeen, Maryland, this summer. Ooh. Yeah, if you're not hip to Camp Crucible, it is a camping uh, event for people who love fetishes and kinks um, out in the lost woods of Aberdeen, Maryland. Um, it is also clothing optional, which is what I'm really excited for. <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> and if, it, if, if it weren't for the work that I have been doing and keep make, developing such a strong community, I don't think I would have ever met him. Yeah. I probably would have gone other paths. Oh, I love that. That is such a, that's such a sweet thing. And that's, I mean, that's the communities are just so wonderful to have and like whether or not you find romantic love in there it's amazing but I'm so glad you did that's really exciting yeah oh so good well one of the questions I I usually ask folks like towards the end of the interview um, before we get into rapid fire questions is what's something you want the greater public to understand about sex workers or sex work as a whole uh, that there's different strokes for different blokes. Uh, you know, you might, people, there are going to be people who really don't see belly bloating as anything to be loved. And I go like to go back to a comment that Jeremy Clarkson made on Top Gear one time, where a guy who drives a Toyota Corolla, you know, a car that is really unremarkable, nothing really to write home about apart from, you know, value and reliability, is not going to look at a Porsche 911 Carrera GT the same way that a guy who drives that car would. They're two mm-hmm. different cars for two different peoples. I see something in belly bloating that the 99th percentile does not. So yeah. it's just it's just understanding that, you know, some people are, there are tastes in sex work as there are tastes with movies. There are tons of people who love Marvel, but I'm the guy who rallies behind DC Comics. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just my personal personal taste. And the same thing can be applied to uh, sex work as well. It's, it's just what you are into. And I think people should understand that. Yeah. I love that. I don't know that that's been one of the answers. And I think that's a really important one. So are you ready for some rapid fire questions? I mean, let's go for it. <laughs> okay, sweet. <laughs> uh, pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Vanilla? You... Uh, oh. Can I say both? Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. both. Just mix them I'm... together and have vanilla chocolate. <laughs> Oh yeah, it sounds so good. <laughs> what were you going to ask before that? Uh, I was actually going to say, have you ever been to a, a, a residence inn anytime soon? Just walking into that dining hall every morning, smelling those waffles being fried up on that griddle. There's I, nothing like it. Waffles, they're just the best. They're the best. Now we all know what I would choose. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you could get one car right now, what would it be? You know, this is one so easy because I've been trying to look for one on Broom the last couple of weeks. A, a, a 2021 Dodge Charger 392 Scat Pack. Ooh, very nice. I want that. I want that 392 Big Block. I want it so bad. <laughs> yeah, I knew when when we had our phone call, um, we talked about that you're into cars a bit. So I wanted to at least bring it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your favorite place you've ever been? Pasadenali, Italy. Oh, excellent. I was on a ski trip one time when I was uh, living in London and first, the first trip we took was actually to Pasatenali. It is a gorgeous uh, ski resort in the, in the Italian Alps. It is a fantastic place to be. And the slopes aren't half bad either. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Um, what is one book from your mandatory reading list? Uh, Smarter, Faster, Better by Charles Duhigg. If you want to know how certain people work together in certain situations and environments or how people stay productive, when they have the worst situation in front of them, you want to read it. Sweet. Excellent. Um, a song, an album, or a musical artist that you've, you're currently obsessed with? Ooh, I actually have two. Uh, the first is Junkie XL. <laughs> I, oh. I've, been, I've, been, I, I've been recently listening to the album Big Sounds of the Drags. Love Like Razorblade kicks so much ass. <laughs> and the second one is Jeff Knorr. He's he does a lot of the music for uh, the Civ- Sid Meier Civilization games. He did it for Civ Five, Civ Beyond Earth, and Civ Six. If you like kind of that that like like Americanized kind of world music, you want to listen to the soundtrack of those games. It is so oh. good. Do you play those games as well? Uh, I've logged over fifteen hundred hours in Civ Six on Steam. 
Amazing. <laughs> cool. Uh, what is your hidden talent? Ooh, I think it's my charm. Oh, what a like, good answer. I have like I have the kind of innate ability to kind of brighten up a room when I go into it. Because I, I, I have that kind of that quirky sense of humor that really not a whole lot of people tend to have. Yeah. Oh, that's so I we've never gotten that answer before. And that is <laughs> a good one. Um, finish this sentence. Good sex is. Good sex is best on a full belly. <laughs> there you go. Got it. Got it. Ever on brand. Um, and if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Shoot lightning from my fingers. Oh, it's a good like, that's solid. <laughs> <laughs> and then something simple that brings you joy. The key ring on my, on my car keys. Sometimes a lot of the time when it's in my pockets, I'll just stick my hand into it and start fidgeting with the key ring. Is it anything in particular or just like, it's just a metal, it's just a metal key ring. It's just a box and a metal key ring that keeps all my stuff together. Oh, and that brings me a ton of joy. That's so great. I love that. (laughs) Those are my fits. One of my favorite questions because it's like, it really is the like smallest things that, that do it for us. Well, it's, it's just a matter like for autistic people, not to go into much of a tangent, fidgeting, also known as stimming, uh, oh, yeah. is, some, is something that they do to bring them some sort of comfort. They, they usually do it in response to an emotional change. So they'll kind of fidget with something that's, uh, to kind of bring them back to a more level state. Yeah. And I'm no different. That's so great. The key ring. <laughs> well, cool. That brings us to the end of rapid fire questions. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show. This was an absolute pleasure. You have such a great energy. Again, that's the charm of me. It's the charm. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say goodbye to the listeners. Goodbye, listeners. Goodbye. I hope you see you again. No. <laughs> <laughs> One of us had to do a voice. <laughs> and that was my interview with Chris Ballbelly. I have put his links in the show notes as well as some links to some of the things that we referenced. Um, As always, I try to have robust show notes um, so that y'all can find the things that we talked about. So check those out. Sometimes there's hidden gems in there. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I learned a lot. I walked in completely blind. Um, I think for this one, I really tried not to do any research because I wanted to come in kind of as dumb as possible to this, to this, to this topic and like not be afraid to ask the stupid questions. Um, there are no stupid questions, but I don't know. I, so if you were ever in my inbox, I think you'd beg to differ. There are some stupid questions, especially when there's a website that provides information. I'm just saying, you know who you are. (laughs) Or maybe you don't. I actually bet you don't know who you are. So I just want to say I appreciate everyone who reads my website before they try to book. It's really helpful. Shows initiative. Okay, space fact. We got to do space fact. Okay, so uh, this time the space fact, I'm just going to... God, you guys... My ADHD is just running rampant these days. Um, So I'm just going to give you a little insight into what happened as I was trying to figure out what our space facts should be this time. And uh, I was like, oh, I was looking up space facts for kids. And then it said that there are eight planets in our solar system and it didn't name Pluto. And I remember that Pluto was uh, canceled as a planet. It was demoted, It whatever happened. Um, and I was like, God, I wonder what Pluto did to get canceled. And then my brain immediately goes to, we don't talk about Pluto. No, 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 we don't talk about Pluto. I haven't even seen this fucking movie. It's just out there in social media and that is what my brain did. Um, so the actual fact is that <laughs> Pluto became a dwarf planet. It was indeed demoted. Felix. Um, and there was... 
Felix has feelings about Pluto being demoted, and so do I, and a lot of other people did too. I know, it was unfair. Um, I'm literally just Googling things right now, but you get to come on this ride with me. Um, so, in order for a planet, well, okay, if in order for a celestial being, does it, is, that what, is that what we would call it? Uh, a spatial mass? I don't know. In order for something to be considered a planet, a full-sized planet, not a dwarf planet, or a party-sized planet, or travel-sized planet, I don't know, whatever. In order for something to be considered a full-sized planet, it has to orbit around the sun, it has, it has to have sufficient mass to assume hydrostatic equilibrium, or a nearly round shape. And it has to have cleared the neighborhood around its orbit. I don't know what that means. Pluto meets two of these criteria, losing out on the third. In all the billions of years it has lived there, it has not managed to clear its neighborhood. Um, so basically, it means that there are no other... Uh, spatial bodies or uh, things um, of comparable size other than its own satellites or those otherwise under its gravitational influence um, in its vicinity in space. So Pluto does not meet that because there are other things um, which shares its orbital neighborhood such as Plutinos. What the fuck is a Plutino? It just casually mentions Plutinos and doesn't really uh, tell us what it is. So any large body that does not meet these criteria is now classified as a dwarf planet, and that includes Pluto, which shares its orbital orbital neighborhood with Kuiper Belt objects such as the Plutinos. What the fuck are Plutinos? And then it just launches into the history of Pluto. It doesn't even tell me what a Plutino is. Okay, just... Um, just for all of us, um, who are curious, what is a Plutino? What is a Plutini? What is a Plutino? Hey, anyone out there who's a bartender, Plutini, just saying, please, for the love of all that is good. Okay, a Plutino is a small planet-like body orbiting the sun in the region of the Kuiper belt and in resonance with Neptune. Does that mean Pluto Pluto is a Plutino? Plut in astronomy the Plutinos are a dynamic a dynamical group of trans-Neptunian objects. The dwarf planet Pluto is the largest member as well as the namesake of this group. Thank God we figured that out. Um, so welcome to this extended space fact. A Plutino is just one of Pluto's younger sisters that are hanging out um, in the neighborhood. Great. <laughs> nanu nanu, motherfuckers.